Welcome back, analysis listeners. Welcome back into the podcast. Spencer Davis, my old friend and con man. How are you, sir? Hey, man. Good to see you from half a country away now. Since Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having yeah. me back. It's good to, I told you uh, the last time we saw each other was my uh, going away at Chicago party. And I said, I'm going to have you on the podcast. And you probably thought that was an empty promise. And here we are just a few weeks later talking about Saul. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the power of, you know, for all the bad that social media can do to our mental health. The fact that I posted about the Better Call Saul finale and you're like, come on the podcast and talk about it. Yeah, like, I said, that, yeah, I, I, I would love to have you on. And and so you had this post. It was it was the day before the series finale here. And it, it was a little bit sentimental. And, and I didn't know you were such a huge fan. Let me let me ring the siren. I'm the biggest fan of Breaking Bad of, of any show that I've ever watched. I don't know if I'm the biggest fan on the planet. I, I don't walk around like Heisenberg or anything, but um, <laughs> I've uh, met Brian Cranston ring the siren in New York City. The Sign My Stream story, if you guys have never heard that, go listen to uh, some of the other Sign My Stream episodes. And then I've actually met Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul together in Chicago. They have a new uh, Mezcal out. Yeah, Dos Hombres. (laughs) And so I found out they were signing right down the street. And so I've met them both together. I'm just just an enormous fan of this universe. And I didn't know you were as well. And so how do you feel about the universe and i guess we'll start with how did you feel this show did within the universe well first of all i had no idea that when you met aaron and brian i'm just going to call them their first names because you know we're, yeah, we're on first name basis uh, we're, we're on first name <laughs> but i had no idea that that was in chicago or yeah. i would have totally gone there i the the only time i've ever met a celebrity is when i when craig ferguson the late night okay. host, yeah. at, he like wrote his memoir and I went to Barnes and Noble, waited in line and like it was being signed for my sister and they asked my name. So I said, Spencer, and oh, he no. signed it to me. Oh no. no. And I was like, no, this is not what I, oh man. So he was weird. I, I, I got the out, right? book signed wrong. So like, you know, I'm zero for one in terms of mm-hmm. celebrity interactions, but that's incredible that you got to meet them. Um, dude, I've been a fan of this and I've never heard anybody call it this, so I'm just going to say it right here and now. The ABQCU. I've been a fan Ooh, of that since. Albuquerque, ABQCU, mm-hmm. yeah. I've never heard anybody say that. I felt like that was <laughs> low-hanging fruit, so I'm just going to yes. use it. I've been, a, I've been a fan of that since uh, season two of Breaking Bad. I, I did okay. not pick up on it, I will admit. I Who was there season up? one? No, like, if you were right. there season one, yeah. then you are beautiful at finding nuanced domestic drama on top no most people came in season two season three the people who were there season one were there after watching mad men you know what i mean like like that was it that was like the first year of mad men first year of breaking bad they came out together you watched breaking bad because it was the other thing Mm -hmm. i feel like season two i came in ironically around the episode better call saul which is episode 208 of breaking bad um we'll get back to that later but like the so I immediately, because it wasn't on Netflix yet, Netflix really wasn't a thing, like I immediately went and I bought like the DVD sets. I don't know if your listeners remember those, <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's like, no. but Mostly. I bought like the individual DVD sets and I uh, immediately caught up and then I started watching it on AMC week by week. Um, and dude, I've just loved it ever since. It is. I'm, what I'm does def- it for you? Uh, you know, for me, 
and and I think a little bit of this has to do with you know what I like to write and direct myself. But like there is something beautiful about this is the same reason I love Tarantino, the same reason I love the Coen Brothers, some of Scorsese. It's like the intersection of crime and dark comedy. Yeah, just that cocktail when you get it right, crime by itself is already kind of kind of absurd when you like find out some of the crazy thefts that have taken place. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, a, a woman steals a whole container of like maple syrup. You know what I mean? And yeah, now yeah. they're like making a television show about that. You know, there are the heists that have taken place are just like absurd by their nature, so they're just hilarious on their own. To be able to like somehow have like a body count while we're laughing, it's a magic trick that I don't really understand. And so for me, I think it was that. I think I love the huge swing that Vince Gilligan did in terms of hey, what are two things that nobody wants to watch on television? Cancer and meth. Let's put them in the same show. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, and and so for me, I immediately was like, the fact that he even pulled that off in the pilot was like, okay, now I'll I'll definitely watch the next episode. And then I ended up watching the full first season in like an afternoon. You know what I mean? Um, So that, that right away, and the fact that it, I, I think what I really appreciate is when you really look at it, and I know we'll talk about this in terms of Better Call Saul, the 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 canvas feels huge. And mm-hmm. let and yet like the characters by name are you could count on two hands, yeah. right? It's it's actually really amazing how big it feels and yet how intimate. And they've pulled that off with both shows in this really incredible way. Uh another challenging thing yeah. to do. This it's 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 not the practice, right? It's 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 this courtroom drama, but it's not. And just get yeah, to you think like, oh, we're gonna spend a lot of time in little town USA court universe, you know. But it's, it, right. it ends up it ends up uh, being incredibly compelling, or at least I I felt it was. I think I'll yeah. say Spencer to yes and you there. One of the one of the things that always appealed to me uh, about Breaking Bad was just how true of an arc this show had with with all of his characters but especially with walt white and like i've never seen a character go through that type of journey before and 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 i'm i'm aggressive this is one thing i learned especially from watching saul but looking back now i'm an aggressive anti-hero supporter (laughs) and i like my favorite shows are all you know a lot of them are anti-heroes and i'm always rooting for them to get away with it, I- including with Walt. Like I, I was, I was with Walt to the bitter end, even after all of the, the, the terribleness, but he, he started, you know, very wholesome with, with all of the best intentions. I really believe that. And then where he ends up going and like the full transformation into a monster, that was something I really hadn't seen before. And in Cranston's talked about that very poetically about why he was so drawn to this work. And even Tony Soprano, like he's, he's still at the end. He's, he hasn't really done a lot of change. He's, it's just a lot has happened. A lot has happened around him, but he's still very much the, the same type of man than when he started. That is not Walt at all. Like Walt is a, has, has gone through a full journey and, and you don't see that very often on television. And that's why I've always yeah. been very uh, drawn to this material. I think you just named one of the key ingredients that made Breaking Bad such a staple in the pantheon, the Mount Rushmore of television now, is we were told by the nature of television, television can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Our protagonist can't change too much because by the nature of television, 
you need to be able to tune in every episode and and see the guy or the lady or whomever that you signed up with, right? Yeah. Like we are signing this invisible pact with our protagonist, with our hero, and they need to deliver what we expect of them week after week after week. So the idea of like, we had seen before shows like Twin Peaks or Lost where it was serialized in terms of story. Yeah. But like, really, I mean, when you truly, truly look at it, Jack in that show maybe goes from being a man of science to a man of faith. But but his transformation, he really is at the end of the day, like aside from his belief system, really is the same guy we met. I thought the idea that Vince was able to say, hey, let's let's actually treat this like chemistry, right? Yeah. It's that it's the idea of what I mean, what is the thing he says in the pilot? It's the it's the study of change, mm-hmm. of growth, decay, then transformation, right? That's that's something that he says in that very first chemistry lesson in the pilot. Essentially, Vince is promising us, this is what you're in for. If you stick with me, I will show you the growth of this character and the transformation of this character. And we just hadn't seen a character do something like that on television, nor had we seen an actor like Brian Cranston who like yeah. stepped up to the challenge. And I think- But even that the- was a transformation. Oh right? my gosh. This, that, was, that, that was the story within the story was the yeah. fucking Malcolm in the middle guy is actually bringing it. And that was so cool to watch that. Ter- that that's what he right. wanted. Like he wanted it to be kind of a reference on itself. I mean, he, I think another thing is, you know, you look at the casting and I know this is going to kind of take us into Bob Odenkirk and Better Call Saul, but- yeah, let's, time, let's let's see if we can bridge this into this. Time show. again, yeah, right, right. Like I'm, I'm gonna call out the segues without just. Yeah. Them. But like, time and time again, they just leaned on this idea that you cast the right person, that person will step up to the plate. The idea that Dean Norris, Hank Schrader, this like bull of a man mm-hmm. in the pilot in season in the first few seasons, then goes through these traumatic experiences in seasons two and three, all the. To, to step up the way he does in that final season and become one of our main antagonists, right? I mean, they're like, the idea that Dean Norris, that they would see that kind of potential in him. The idea that Anna Gunn can go from this, she is the antagonistic wife, all the way to giving an Emmy-winning performance. Yeah, I, Jonathan Banks, the idea that he wasn't even supposed He's, to exist. Oh I love you know, Mike. Yeah, Right, the idea that Mike was just a replacement for Saul in episode 212 i think it was half measure no no excuse mm-hmm. me no 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 it was uh, uh it was the episode before abq I forget what that was called um but anyway he, the idea that he was supposed to be you know saul was supposed to be the one that finds jesse with jane's body bob odenkirk wasn't available they cast jonathan banks this guy who before then people kind of knew from this show called wise guy you know he was always like grunt number two in the movies he was always great yeah he he was was like like, one of the gremlins cops a hundred percent the idea that he would then create the character of mike and then you go to bob odenkirk who honestly the idea that somebody would say hey that guy from mr show mr show fits into this universe like the first first of all just the audacity to like fit somebody that broad in their comedy you know an snl writer Mm-hmm. In, into this world and it works not only does it work but people really would say if you if you were to pull people and say like when was it that breaking bad pull critics for example when is it that breaking bad started getting good like really became the show to watch they would say it's on or around better call Saul because that's really when it started pivoting and it and it, and it got a sense of its own tone 
Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that they were able to do that and then pivot to giving him his own show and it works so beautifully, it's just like, I, I truly think it's like, it is the most successful all, all in all, all 15 years, it's like the most successful experiment on television, long form, I think ever. Like that's how far I'm going to go. I'm going to yeah. go that deep. No, you like, can I be can... hyperbolic. I mean, yeah. I, we're, we're both obviously massive fans and I'm sure totally. there's people that have their own golden age here, but I'll, it'll be something I'm old manning years from now where I'm like, <laughs> you guys thought that was iconic. Like you have no idea that that's swinging on the balls of right. better call Saul and breaking bad. But that I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have the, the old man fish shake uh, about this <laughs> show in my, in my future. Then um, I, I read uh, Odin Kirk's book, uh, comedy, 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 drama. And, uh, you know, he talks about how he almost didn't take this part. And he talked about how he didn't want to necessarily feel typecast because he had just recently played kind of a slimy kind of, a lawyer in, in a different TV show. I can't remember which one, but he was kind of like, ah. and, he, and he went to a friend whose advice he really valued. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? Breaking Bad's is the best show on TV. I would kill for that type of job. And he was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. And like, like almost a lot of the characters on that show, besides Cranston, besides Walt, like a lot of them thought that they were just kind of going to be in for the, the, these small character arcs. And it ended up uh, really defining their careers. So it's it's just, it's so interesting that Bob Odenkirk and his Chicago guy, and it's something to celebrate, but you know, that he, that he ends up just this, this role is incredible. Now it's part of, it's part of iconic television, I think. And let's kind of pivot to where we ended up this season. And we, we do talk spoilers here. So we're, we're just going to go all in on, on the human garbage, quite literally that, uh, uh Saul ends up becoming but do you think this is the ending that he deserved do you feel based on all the breadcrumbs that this was the right place we needed to be and how did it leave you feeling uh with this resolution you know I'll say in in Saul's very first appearance in Breaking Bad in the episode Better Call Saul I think that's 208 um he said you're doing really good with this reference level you're making me look bad because I don't remember the episode titles let alone where they came yeah, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm enough of a fan that I've watched it a few times at this point. I, I'm, I'm not as up to date on, on. I will say I haven't rewatched uh, Breaking Bad yet because I give uh-huh. myself these ten year rules. So I say I won't oh, watch it until yeah. ten years after the finale. So I went yeah. back and revisited Sopranos, and it was, it was long enough to where some of it felt fresh. And I wanted to be a different person when I came back to it. So I don't do an immediate rewatch. We're we're at 10 years of Breaking Bad. So it's something I'm going to be doing really soon. But anyway, I digress. So you yeah. rewatched. So, the so, first in that time episode, so in that in that episode, right, he is taken out to the desert, made to look at this open grave. It is him, Walt, and Jesse out in the desert. And at one point, Saul says, and I may be paraphrasing this, I may get close to the quote, but he says, as far as I see it, somebody's going to prison. It's just a matter of who, mm-hmm. right? And at the time, he's talking Damn. about the situation that deals with Badger. But if you really think of it, if you look at those three as like the holy trinity of this ABQCU, as I'm calling it, mm-hmm. one of them dies, one of them gets away, Bitch. one of them goes to prison, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I really do feel that there's it. it one, I, I kind of saw it going this way, right? I, I was yeah. very much like of the camp of, he will eventually go to prison. I didn't know what the conditions were, but I felt that I, I similarly never bought that, that Kim was going to eat it. Right. I really, yeah. I, I always knew she'd survive because the Saul that we met 
is not a grieving man. He may be a bitter man. He may be, uh, he, he may be suppressing feelings, but he was not a man in mourning. And I yes. think you, you kill Kim, he's done for, right? So I never bought that, but I always felt like whatever circumstances get him to prison, that's where he's going to end up. And I didn't know if it was going to be a happy ending for him or, or a satisfying ending, literally for the character, yeah. right? Um, what I did not anticipate and what I so, so appreciate about this finale is this idea of it being structured almost like, and this may be something that Peter Gould said, this may be something that I had a thought about and then it was confirmed later on, but he essentially structured this finale like a Christmas carol, right? Where mm. he, there are three flashbacks, right? Three yeah. ghosts, all of whom played a substantial role in making Saul, Jimmy, James, the person that he is by the finale, yeah. right? And eventually he becomes a better man as a result. Um, for me, I, I did not anticipate. I thought Saul might go to prison against his will. Yeah. I, I did not anticipate him owning up to such a degree that he did. And I'm so glad that he did. It really does feel like he is a man with a cleaner conscience as a result. You know, and as much as I hate, as much as it saddens me to see him prove his brother right in a sense yeah. right i i really i i do think there is something whereas walt always had this bitterness right over gray matter the the company that he which was, comes into play in his little time machine story in his little time machine story right it's always this thing this thing of being he's always felt wronged right mm -hmm. and, and he eventually uh reveals the man that's underneath right this bitter man that's underneath and he craves power and he gets to end on his terms God, I, I love that in Breaking Bad when truly. she says, when uh, Skylar says, if you say this was for the family one more time, mm -hmm. and I, I'll paraphrase here, because I, I know you've probably watched the episode nine times and you know the, the title card and, and the, the episode number, but he says, I didn't do it for the family. I did it for me. You know, and it's like, you know, it's, I was good at it, you mm -hmm. know, and, yeah. and, you know, I, I liked it. I was good at it. And there was another episode with, with Jesse, where he says, do you know what it's like? Jesse goes, why don't we just leave? We have more money we can ever spend. Why don't we just walk? And he's like, do you know what it's like to be the best at something, <laughs> you know, to be truly the best. And I just, right. I thought that was so, so interesting. Right. Wow. I just thought that was so just like, oh, he's, this is no longer about money or fa mm -mm. familial protection. This is, this is all ego. And, yeah. and it's a, it's a cocktail of a lot of different things. Like you said, bitterness and everything. But I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. Cause you thought for a long time that it, it was much more than that, but it wasn't. Yeah. And I, I think that's why I love that they tied it into the Ozymandias legend because it is, it, that it really is that it's, it's the pride before the fall. Mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas the, I think the tragedy of James McGill has always been, he has, fought his nature he's actually he hasn't embraced it it hasn't been you know he has tried to make the good you know i think he has so many opportunities and truly, that's one truly. thing that's one thing they look at and i think that's different times where you you're seeing like you said i love your comparison to the the three ghosts and to a christmas carol because there are all of these little moments where he can choose the righteous path Correct. and he ends up going the other way, even with the Cinnabon stuff. And you start to see him looking at the the tie and the shirt and he's starting to imagine himself back in that that uniform, you know, and you start to see it's like, 
oh, he's just going to continue no matter what it is. Like as soon as he gets a little taste, he's going to keep ratcheting that up and up and up and the stakes are going to that the risk and the thrill of that is going to just consume him one day there was never a time no matter what even if he escapes carol burnett and even if he gets out of nebraska right carol burnett i i thought was great at the the end of this series but you know even if he gets out of nebraska like he's still gonna fall back into it and that like you said that was the the prophecy that his brother had set for him he just can't help himself yeah, and I think that's it, right? I mean, I think I think it's the I think it's a narrative of an of an addict, right? I think there's yeah. like this con artist addict where he just can't help himself. And I think there's this sense of, you know, Mike has this allusion to it's actually also the name of an episode, but he he talks about the bad choice road, right? You come mm-hmm. to a fork in the road and at some point you you know, you make your a bad choice. Mike in the finale alludes to the very first bribe he took back in. Yeah. I think he said the sixties or seventies. I forget the day. My first bribe. And that's him saying, once you do something, it's, it has a snowball effect. Correct. And 100%. he basically, I can't remember his, his exact lines. It's I'm pretty fresh from the finale, but like, he's like, there's a snowball effect. And that's, that's him. That's him wishing he could, cause the whole episode's about regrets and living with your regrets, right? right. And that's the, the time machine. Walt even labels it directly. He says, it, it, you're just talking to me about regret right now. Right. And Jimmy can't, he can't come in either of those moments. He can't honestly say what his regrets are. I don't think he even really has thought about them himself. It's like these, these you know, this little slipping Jimmy knee hurt thing. And I love <laughs> Walt's little tag on that where it's like, you've been like this forever. But right. and in that monologue he gives in the courtroom at his brother's altar basically is those were all the regrets he's Mm -hmm. finally come to terms with you know i regret stripping my brother of his malpractice and i regret what what i've done to these families and and now he has 86 years to sit in those regrets you know (laughs) yeah yeah and so i think as sad as sad as it is that he ends up uh, essentially what's going to be he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life there is a sense in but he's cleaner than when he was in Omaha. You know, there is this feeling that there, there was something that was unfinished. Um, I mean, you talk about that idea of like, you know, he, he just can't help himself. The idea that he had to, you know, he reacted to this bad phone call that he had with Kim. She was in Florida. He was in Omaha mm. and he decides to join Jeff on this, you know, essentially this con ring, this, this identity theft uh, con the fact that he just can't help himself. He just, he has to find the next one and he keeps testing it. Right. He starts getting a little sloppy with it. There might, there was a part of me that even thought maybe he wanted to be caught. I mean, the fact yeah. that, you you know, I, I don't, I didn't buy it by the end because obviously he leaves is, is her name Marlene. I forget her name that Carol Burnett plays, but yeah. he, he, he runs from her home there. It's clear. Yeah. That yeah. He, so he, doesn't he wants to get out of there. Right. But it's interesting. And he ends up that, in that dumpster like human garbage. He has become human garbage. You know, I think there's something so interesting if you look at the parallels between Felina, which is the Breaking Bad finale, and this one. Uh, you know, there is this way where, whereas with Walt, he got to settle all the scores. He got to essentially unfuck the world that he fucked up. He went out in a blaze of glory. A hundred percent, right? He got to he got to end as a folk story. And he basically. dies there with his math. Oh, I so mean, poetic. A hundred percent. But it starts with, you know, he gets into this car that isn't his. He pulls down the visor and the keys fall what seem like almost from heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's this feeling that there is this divine power allowing him to get away with it. Right. To kind of settle scores. Whereas this one, it almost felt like 
everything was working the opposite for Jimmy. You know, he's in that dumpster. He's trying to open the phone case. He can't. He dumps the diamonds. There goes his chance for redemption. And then the cops find him anyway, right? So there was almost this sense that, um, and when you consider, this is also something that I just found so poetic, the fact that the thing that caught him was an older woman, right? So right away, there's the Sandpiper connection. But she caught him using a laptop that her son bought from a con that Jimmy taught him how to pull off. So in a weird way, Gene, Jimmy, Saul, whatever you want to call him, he essentially gave Jeff the money that afforded him the laptop that led to his downfall. So in a yeah. way, he, he's consistently creating his own speed bumps and his own downfall. It's, it's just really, oh, it's really, so really beautiful. Yeah, I thought the Sam Piper thing too, where he he starts getting back into law and it's an elderly law and he's he is championing these elderly people that were conned out of this this uh, real estate firm. And then there he is at the end and we're talking about full character arcs and it, he really gets into a dark place. Like he mm-hmm. he descends into depravity where you see when he's in that uh, house of the, the man with cancer and he's trying to get his kind of poetic revenge against Walt by, by saying not every dude with cancer is this innocent man, even <laughs> though this is an innocent man. Right. And he's, he's got that, that dog urn and he's walking out and he, you, that that is very clearly to me signaling that he is willing to kill somebody like this is now way past slipping Jimmy and he is, he is going to be murdering Jimmy. Right. And so it's like, he's willing to murder this guy and he almost is going to kill Carol Burnett. We'll just call her Carol Burnett from now on. But like, he's, he's got her by that, by that life alert. Right. And it's like, it got really dark to where he was going to continue to descend if he was not caught. Like, and, and so, you know, almost in a way he, he gets a chance to get his redemption and it really doesn't come until his moral compass, Kim, until he finds out that she ended up, he gets the news that she ended up turning herself in and, and she's on the line. And, and I think, you know, really that's, that was the person to him that he needed to make right with in the world. I I think he wanted, and I think that's why he was so upset on the phone was that, that she suggested that he turn himself in. You know, I think that that had a huge impact on him because she always saw the best parts of it. Well, you just watched you you watch the glint in Bob Odenkirk's eyes when when Carol Burnett says, you know, I trusted you. And there's this feeling. I mean, it was such a beautiful, intimate moment. And and I think at that point he realizes that he's, again, let somebody down. And I I think I mean, the, the way that he the way that he and Ray Seahorn play that courtroom scene in the final in the finale the way that he keeps looking to her for approval. Have I, have I confessed enough yet? Have I confessed enough? And she, she doesn't smile. So he has more to share. She doesn't smile yet. He has more to share. He knows that there's more to unburden, but he keeps checking on her like a status bar being like, am I redeemed yet? Am I redeemed? And it's only when she smiles that he realizes, yeah. Okay. I have, I have actually stepped up as much as you did with Howard Hamlin's widow, Cheryl. You know, I have, I have finally reached that peak of, uh, 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 redemption, personal, or personal penance, Some or penance. I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah exactly. like it's yeah, he's purging himself of uh, of all that wrongdoing in, in front of another widow, right? Because you have Hank's widow there, and he's she's honestly one of the the people that he most directly, um, obviously Howard's wife first, but uh, then then her as well, and you know what I think great, that's great. What a great way to have Marie return! Like was, it, that was the best Marie scene I've ever seen. Was she, in this show in that episode. She was awesome, and I think there is something kind of like 
you know, for somebody who's known for her purple, I think it's beautiful that we meet her in black and white too, because her life has also lost color, you know? Hank yeah. So yeah. For that's, her. How, what did you feel about the purpose or the meaning of the black and white? Just the, the whole, all of the modern Saul. What did yeah, you Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, at first I think it, it made a lot of sense in those early seasons, you know, when we only got a gene, a gene scene every season at the beginning of seasons you know we got a gene scene at the beginning of i think seasons one through four i think it was only like one scene every season um it made sense that any recollection of that saul energy was like color that had been drained from his life and and it gave you a sense of something was gone um the joy the joy and the color and he was such a colorful character that's, with, all, with all of the suits so it was such a nice contrast you know it's yeah. like he's lost the joy and the color in his life a hundred percent i think if it if you know between the presence of kim and then also just what he was able to achieve as saul i think between those two things sapping those it made sense to go black and white i think it was also just um i think it's also just very ambitious i think sometimes we have just been taught visually just a visual vocabulary sense of black and white is a flashback and color is present. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that this is just a show that inverse that. And they went, yeah. no, 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 actually the thing that's the sequel to the show that you love, um, that's actually all going to be in black and white. Um, and there's a thematic purpose to it. I was surprised. I will say that there were moments like after he pulls off the, the earlier in this season, after he pulls off that first mall con with Jeff, the cab driver, I was surprised that like the suit and tie that he kind of puts together didn't have like a little, I thought yeah, they could have used like maybe color. Maybe? They could have mm-hmm. had uh, played with a few more hues. Even in this finale, the only thing that has color is, is when Kim lights that final cigarette yeah. um, for him, which was enough. But I, I think for me, um, yeah, by the end, I actually thought it it had this beautiful payoff because they're also the two of them were just friends of or fans of uh, uh, classic movies, and they were always mm-hmm. watching these classic black and white oh, movies shit, together. I didn't fucking think about that, right? There is this yeah, sense that they so almost this, kind of become this like forlorn romance. They're almost like yeah, Bonnie and Clyde, or like in a sense, Butch yeah. and Sundance. Yeah, right, that's right. There really was, fucking cool, dude. I didn't think about that. Yeah, there was almost this kind of like noir feeling to their final interactions too so by the end it actually pays off in a way even with their relationship but um i also just thought i i'll be honest i don't know there's a few people on youtube who have already colorized those final scenes you know even him in the courtroom i don't know how impactful they would have been with it i think like for me at some point you've accepted the terms of engagement and and that's enough right yeah i think it would have been confusing if they would have then switched back to color even if it would have made sense metaphorically i think it's i i also just liked seeing the sheen of his suit but in black and white like you can tell it's got a ton of saul in there but it's still black and white you know i I thought that that was kind of cool you know this this show has been nominated i think now for like 46 primetime emmy awards not only has it never won, it's never been nominated for cinematography. And that's like, that's just utter bullshit. And yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm really hoping that they fix that with these final two. Obviously, they can't fix it with the, the first half of season mm-hmm. six. But with the second half next year, 
I really hope that they yeah. course correct that. Yeah, I thought it was a really beautifully shot, especially the final season. But yeah, just it's always been a really well shot show. And, and that goes back to Breaking Bad. It's probably a lot of the same um, creative on that side of the camera as well. Right. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to really quick wanted to talk to you. There, There's a defining moment at the end when it's well first it starts with the people versus or the united states of america versus saul goodman and then at the end he's wrapping up his monologue in the courtroom and the judge asks like please sit down saul or mr goodman please sit down mr goodman he says i'm jimmy mcgill and there's that big piece about reclaiming his name and what that means. What did you take from that? Yeah. I mean, he, the name he actually gives is James McGill. James. For me, okay. And for me, I think the only reason I'm, I'm saying that is because I, I actually think James is like his fourth form. You know what I mean? Like I think oh, Jimmy okay. became soul became gene. And then James, I feel like is uh, again, I think I keep going to this idea of like this, this repentant, cleansed man like i do i did actually find this idea of like reclaiming that name for himself and also just like knowing what what the name mcgill has been through right yeah, not really. only does not only does hhm no longer exist which would have carried his his brother's legacy anyway um but the idea that he himself had had rejected it to reclaim it was amazing. And yet I thought the show did a really great job of being like, but you're about to head into the lion's den full of lions that you have been feeding for years and they're going to be big fans of you. So this yeah. idea of like, e even at a time when he is trying to reclaim it for himself, again, we go back to that cyclical thing that he's going through. The world's telling him, no, you're Saul. That's your legacy. That's your yeah. legacy. And I think at some point, you know, at some point he seems to come to terms with, okay, well, if you're, if, if Jimmy McGill is in danger in prison, but Saul Goodman's protected here, maybe I just slip that costume on whenever it's convenient, you yeah. know? And he almost um, did it even with getting him his sentence down to seven years, you know, he can wear that mask anytime he right. needs to, which yeah. it's, it's really great acting by Odenkirk. I think, the the scene where he's in the jail cell and he is all distraught and then it kind of just turns into the laughter right. you know and it's it's that it's it's you see it a lot of times walt walt has it when he when he's laying um in the hole and right. skylar says the money's gone and he he turns from boiling rage to the the laughter you know right. it's just like it's really, yeah yeah it's really interesting how that happens and, and whoever thought to have that be back-to-back -back emotional beats with a mm -hmm. character well the, you know and the, you're talking about that moment where like gene becomes saul i think yeah. there's even i think peter gould has even i think he shared a script i know he did a, a page of the script with with alan seppenwall at rolling stone and it's that moment right mm -hmm. and it, and and we watch as peter as he's typing the episode stops saying gene and says or stop saying jimmy and start saying saul like he actually changes mid-page the name he uses to refer to him because that is a moment of again slipping on a character. Yeah. Uh, that what what is that message scrawled on the wall? Like my lawyer will ream your ass, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like that's all it takes for him to remind himself his own power, right? And so the moment that he calls up his, you know, old nemesis, yeah, um, 
he's immediately like you hear the Saul voice. You yeah. realize that Saul has a tonality. Um, he's a, he has a mu- musicality to his the way yep. he does. Yeah, which is incredible. And, yeah, and it's just so you think about like Jimmy or excuse me James McGill getting his name back, and first it's him fighting to be able to practice law under the McGill name, and then it goes to Saul you know and then it's like you said gene and now it's it's james mcgill again right and like you said it's that legacy and and what is your legacy and it's it's uh it's really beautiful the way that it's written and i just i keep thinking now about your your christmas carol (laughs) metaphor and it's it's it really sticks with me because i just love mike talking about the bribe i love walt talking about gray matter and if i could have just been rich on my honest work maybe i i have a whole different life and experience you know and then it's 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 jimmy and it's like if i if if my dad didn't get conned by that guy or if i didn't have to steal at a young age and what Mm -hmm. what could have my legacy been and could i have been able to to have this name my entire life and not have to run to it or run away from it so so fucking good i mean as 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 anal retentive as and i want to say like better call saul has not made as a show has not made walter white look good and i I think i actually kind of appreciate that it kind of reminds you what a bastard he is yeah but you know him being so anal retentive about don't say time machine that's impossible that's ridiculous talk about regrets that is the one thing that he's got right right is the idea that like you can't go back so why even consider it Mm-hmm. If you have regrets, let's talk about those. And, and I will say, like, if there's anything that Saul potentially takes away from his interaction with Walt, it's that idea of, like, call it what it is, right? Like, really, I mean, at the end of the day, you saw that your brother was reading the time machine that has been sitting with you ever since. You ask Mike in the desert, what if you had a time machine? You can only imagine he's asked other people this at different yeah. points in his life. But the idea that, like, Walt is the one who tells him, call it what it is, um, the fact that that then sits in the back of his mind ever since, it's kind of beautiful, right? And so that there's that idea of, like, for all that Walt even destroyed, even he gave him a little something at the end. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and it's a, yeah. in a, especially to a man that has danced around or distorted reality at almost every opportunity he could to his benefit right Right. and it's like it's it's you you can't do that though the truth is the truth Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i and i i think it's sorry i just want to go back real quick and just say like you know back in the time machine well yeah let's go back in the time machine i mean you know you were talking about like uh we've been talking about episode titles and stuff and obviously this one's called soul gone which i thought was like such a great way to just like (laughs) just uh just to bring it back one more time but like i actually thought like they're Never before have I wanted like, oh my gosh, it could have been called Time Machine and that would have been beautiful. I also just love the title, like the United States versus Saul Goodman. For me, I was like, (laughs) what a great, if anything, for me, I was like, that was just such a beautiful way to be like, it really made him feel even more epic than I think we've ever considered. You look at Breaking Bad, he's he's kind of a a one-dimensional, two-dimensional at best, like laugh factory right Mm. he's kind of the quirk of the show and when he gets pulled into it he gets really flustered and doesn't know how to handle himself you watch breaking bad now knowing what we know about jimmy and he's just such a sad sad character who's buried so much of himself behind these 
colorful suits in this large mansion now. Um, but I will say, like, one thing that it really made me reconsider, and I don't think this was just Saul sharing his own myth, you, you do really look back and go, oh, wow, Walt would not have been able to achieve half of what he did without Saul. Like, you actually now really appreciate Saul's part in the Walter White Heisenberg empire. In that a way really that punched yeah. me was when he was like, oh, Walter White would have been dead or in jail in a month. Easy. And yeah. you and then it, you take a second and you take a beat and you're like, yeah, all the different times like Bill Burr and Huell did a move or, you know, obviously the protection that he ends up getting through Saul with, with Mike and just the, like, all of the different ways. Yeah. That it's like, oh yeah, like, this was absolutely, and he wasn't as big as maybe like Jesse, but he he's definitely part of, of the team and a critical part of the team. Uh, after, I mean, I think we forget Saul's the one who introduced him to Gus. Like Saul is the mm -hmm. one who even built that bridge. So every single thing along the way that- Yeah, he, he introduces him to Tuco. Uh, uh, I, I think I don't. Uh, I think Tuco's before that. Oh, Tuco was before. Okay. No, before you would. Not, I'm. I'm gonna defer to you in terms <laughs> of uh, timelines. But, but but he, you know, it, he does in fact like you know, Walt knows nothing about the Solom the Salamanca Empire until everything takes place. You know, with Gus, and then he finds out about Hector, and you know, he he uh, he's known about Hector before, but then he realizes the history. So mm -hmm. it, there is something kind of like you really do look back and go, oh, wow, every big pivotal moment, particularly like on the back end of like season two, every pivotal moment where Walt really starts getting into his own um, or finds a way to sell this first batch of meth that they cook in the desert to Gus, that was all coordinated by Saul. Um, yeah. And even just the little the little tips and tricks along the way, where it's like, oh, you can't do that. That's going to totally leave you exposed to this. And just all right. those little moments, all those little coaching moments. You think about that and just say, if he's not there to give that advice, they go a different route and then it ends up going to shit. You actually like, kind of, oh, there's a way to watch it now where you kind of look back at Breaking Bad and it's like, Walt, if Walt is Don Corleone, then, you know, uh, Saul is his sig consigliere, yeah, you know, he is yeah. Tom, you know, there is this kind of like wonderful right hand advisor to him and and yet i what i so so appreciate about what better call Saul did as a show is it I, I don't know that i needed a flashback to philadelphia and what mike did before he came but i'm so glad we got it i'm so glad we met we found out about his son that that scene with gus where he is having an awesome time with a little glass of wine, mm -hmm. speaking to the speaking to the employee who works there, who he clearly, I got a sense, has a bit of a crush on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet he knows, I, I cannot pursue this. I, I, I could live this fairy tale for 30 minutes, but if I, pr I, I am too focused on revenge and this path that I've chosen, this man would be killed. He yeah. would become collateral. You know, the idea that they enrich every single character who we truly didn't even know we needed more on. Like, I didn't need to, I did not need to see Tuco ever again. Yeah. And yet getting to meet him pre-prison was kind of incredible. Getting to meet Nacho, who is a yeah. friend who knows him, you know, has, has years of history with him and knows him when he first started using. Like, we even get wrinkles on characters that we dismissed as as these you know, oh, he's just grunt number two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now suddenly they have seasoning they didn't have before. And I think that's what makes Better Call Saul 
I think the most, again, I know we're getting hyperbolic, but for me, I truly think it's like, it, it really is. It has achieved what I don't think any other spinoff yeah. has in a very, very long time. I can't think of something that's done it better. And sometimes with universes, you can go broader and you can mm-hmm. bring a lot more in. And sometimes you can go deeper and, and get deeper into characters. And it's not a surprise at all that they decided, well, yes, kind of expanding, they really gave you deeper and, and more nuance into some characters that you already loved. And that it's right. just, it's, it's, it's really writing that I don't know if we'll see again for a long, long time. And when we do see it again, it's going to be heavily influenced by this material. Yeah, just the, just the, you know, when I talk to people, it's just like, it's just so patient. And I don't, I hope if we take anything away from this, you know, or the creators on television do, it's like, we'll wait. Like we will wait. We want to watch process. We will watch people highlight documents as long as we (laughs) care about the person holding the highlighter. You know what I mean? Like we will, we will watch that. And the, the fact that people are looking at something like better call Saul and saying it is as good, if not better than breaking bad. I, I don't know where I fall just yet, but the fact that people are even saying that is like, would have been unfathomable when they started it eight years ago. So there you go. Spencer, the line, we will wait and watch people highlighting documents as long uh-huh. as we care about the person holding the highlighter. That is just, that's, that's why I should have you on this show more, man. It's, it's <laughs> it really, that's just really well said. I, I loved all, all of the different uh, ways you, the consigliere, the Christmas Carol, I keep thinking about now, man, this has been a, a great conversation. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it, man. Dude, thank you so much for having me back. I always love uh, getting to talk about this stuff with you. I know. Now it's here. It's library forever. How we felt <laughs> right after. I'm going to come back and I'm going to listen to this uh, in a few years. And I'm just going to have a smile on my face remembering how I felt right after the episode, the season finale. So with that said, everybody, uh, thank you guys for coming in. Thank you again, Spencer. We're going to have you on so much more. Every time you come on, people are like, have that guy on more. What the hell? He's <laughs> fucking amazing. So you're coming back, buddy. Thanks, man. And wash your hands, like and subscribe, and we will see you down the road. Bye.